Hey Dan Talks listeners, welcome to another episode of Dan Talks. I'm Dan Van Note, and this week I'm talking to Mitchell Laframboise, also known as Justine Diaz, a drag queen in Barrie, Ontario, Canada. I first came across Justine on Instagram. There's a reel that has now over a million views in which she confronts a group of protesters outside of a drag story time that she was doing. And it was actually a really beautiful moment where you saw this larger cultural conversation happen between actual individuals. Uh, I was really happy when Mitchell accepted my invitation to come on the pod and uh, and he has so many important things to say. So without further ado, here is the beautiful, the talented Mitchell Laframboise. Mitchell Laframboise. That is correct, yes. Or Laframboise. It's Laframboise. Okay. Yeah. Or Laframboise, okay. whatever. I have. My family bastardizes it. They say Laframboise. So, <laughs> yeah. And you're in Barrie. Barry Ontario, Ontario, yeah. And is that um it pardon my lack of French knowledge. Is is there French speaking people there? Absolutely not. No. So uh the communities north of us is where my family grew up. So in like North Bay, Northern Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um uh and so that's where like the French more French speaking people are. They're closer to Quebec and Ottawa, that area. So uh-huh. um the way I came across your page on Instagram is that you're I was fed your viral reel of confronting protesters outside of a drag story time. Yes. What compelled you to do that? Um, I'm just tired of, I'm just tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm just tired of all the bickering. I'm tired of all the, of the misinformation. Um, I'm tired of all the hate. Um, and the only way you learn is through knowledge by you know going seeing doing picking up a book you know that's how we all grow and learn and uh so the only way i figure people are going to understand what we're actually doing and why we're doing it is if they see it for themselves and in my platform when i talk um to especially lgbtqia plus um uh youth especially our trans youth um when I talk about like taking a moment to educate instead of using it to jump down somebody's throat for misgendering you or using your wrong pronouns, things like that. Um, you know, we only, we can only teach love by giving love. You know what I mean? So if we keep hating all the time, if we keep meeting each other with arguments and screaming back and forth, we're never going to get anywhere. So I was just like, Hey, listen, if you really want to know what's going on, please, Come in and see for yourself so you have firsthand knowledge and you're not listening to Mary Sue down the street tell you that we're doing this, that, and the other. Can you tell me the story of like driving up there and either seeing them or not or going inside or what sort of how that moment, how that hour played out? Yeah, so we um, we arrived that day and uh, we were just in face. We weren't in, in costume yet. So um, we had gone in to get changed and we, of course, you know, we were, this is a sad thing now. It's like, it's a protocol. So you have to call ahead to the library staff and there's police presence, Mm. which is ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. At story time, Mm -hmm. at a library where we're using up taxpayer dollars to waste police services sitting at a library to protect me from reading stories to children mm-hmm. so anyway we uh we get there and you know they were outside and 
whatever it is what it was. So I had said to my colleagues and my husband, and I said, if there are people they're protesting, I said, I'm done with this BS. I said, I'm going to go out and I'm going to tell them to come in. I'm going to tell them to come in and sit down mm-hmm. and, and just actually like see for yourself, make, make an informed decision for yourself instead of, you know, following what everyone else is saying. And um, I actually had two people that came in, mm-hmm. which was uh, kind of nice. And we had a little bit of a discussion and I actually had to um, correct one of my colleagues that was with us as well, because they had were starting to run their mouth on their way in after the invite. And I just kind of looked at them. I was like, we can't have this dialogue because we're trying to teach, you know, respect. So if you can't respect these people, then how are they supposed to respect us? And then the people were right behind us and I didn't notice. And so the gentleman behind me said, listen, we don't hate gay people. Mm -hmm. We just, you know, we're afraid for our children. And we Mm -hmm. heard that there was a bunch of stuff happening to the children here. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're concerned about. And so I said, absolutely. I 100% get where you're coming from. And, you know, I had the opportunity to say like, what, what happened to us? like being able to agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like just because you like apples and I like oranges doesn't mean I'm going to hate you because you like apples. I'm mm-hmm. going to ask you why you like apples over oranges. And we're going to sit and have a discussion about it. And at the end of the day, we're probably going to sit down and have a laugh afterwards. You know what I mean? That's the way That's the way we're going to progress. Mm-hmm. That's the way things are going to be solved is if we can just find a middle ground instead of constantly being at each other. So yeah, they came in for a bit and they saw what they saw and I didn't really get to talk to them afterwards, which was unfortunate, but um, I'm really glad that they took the opportunity to come in and that made me feel really good, like that I actually kind of reached somebody to do that, so. Do you think that there's a genuine concern on the other side that is in some way distinct from run-of-the-mill homophobia? Oh yeah. And what is that concern that's different from you know, your store brand homophobia. So this right now is um, a lot of transphobia. um, And again, homophobia, any, like basically anything that isn't normal, or I like to say white. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, The uh, it's, it's just, it's just gotten to the point now where it's everybody's picking something or some, marginalized community to pick on and um i always like to you know uh quote my one of my favorite drag queens miss uh jada essence hall look over there (laughs) you know like that's basically what this this whole thing is is it's like it's a diversion tactic Mm -hmm. it's this is bubbling first of all this is something that has bubbled out of the united states Mm -hmm. and it's come up to canada and it's it's starting to become really 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 disgusting um this million man march that has started here. I don't know if you've heard of that or have no, seen that. Uh, so I just recently was at another protest and uh, I don't know if you've been on my Instagram at all, but I had just posted another video of me confronting <clears throat> a couple of protesters and, you know, they weren't there because the, it, this whole guise is to protect the children. That's mm-hmm. every, it's, everything is uh, protect the children, protect the children, protect the children. But if I may speak frankly, 
Um, like, I really wish they could say what they really want to say. And it's just like, we hate fags. Mm-hmm. And we hate trans people. And mm-hmm. that's why we're here. And um, I literally had some guy screaming at my friends and called one of them a, uh, a faggot molester. Mm-hmm. And in the video, uh, that's when I'm like, mm, nope. And I come like face to face with him. And I'm just like, sup? What do you got to say? And then he was like, you're here molesting children. And I'm like, do you see me molesting children? Well, and then word for word, his girlfriend says, well, that's what you're here to do. That's your agenda. That's your plan. And I'm like, okay, where did this narrative come from? Because where did going to read stories to children and teaching children it's okay to be their true authentic selves and live in their skin the way that they need to turn into us harming children? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Also seems odd because all of the drag story time events are elective events for parents to bring their children to. That's a hundred percent it. This I actually had somebody. Justin Trudeau is not mandating, right? Um, <laughs> a literacy program like, headed by drag queens, which, by the way, there's other groups to begin with. You know, perhaps authors. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, one of the conversations in the uh, chat, um, because I had the opportunity to go through my comments. Mm -hmm. And uh, first of all, one of the things that I absolutely noticed was a lot of the comments were coming from uh, fake generated accounts. Mm -hmm. So these were accounts that had either no followers or two followers or were following five people or whatever. And it was it's just a way to kind of generate a hate speech conversation, a hate speech narrative on this. So I was deleting all of that. Mm-hmm. But so one person had said, stop showing up at school. Stop doing this to children. Why are you doing this to children? And I said, well, first of all, um, I'm at a library where I was <laughs> I was paid to show up um, and to yes. do a service for our community. Right. No, you weren't. Uh huh. <laughs> okay, sir. Yes. All right. Um. But okay. If you if you were so concerned about us showing up at these spaces, then just tell these spaces to stop hiring us and stop paying us, because mm-hmm. that's really it. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not paying you. Yes, they are, sir. Prove it. This person wanted me to prove my financial records to them. In the meantime, it sounds like this person has not been to the library. <laughs> <laughs> You, you should have to show me your library card. I know, right? Excuse me. When was the last time you have read? Because, honey, I'm about to read you. <laughs> but no, for real, it's 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 pretty interesting. Some of the narrative and some of the conversations that people have, and the thought processes that people have about what it is that we're actually doing. And um, I actually just recently had the honor of speaking with. Um, the basically the legislation group of people. So they're basically one under parliament mm-hmm. um, of the uh, heads of all the libraries for Ontario. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got to discuss like what the importance of drag story time is mm-hmm. and what, uh, uh, you know, th- what it does for families and how many, many, many times we've had people come to us like, parents and say you know you've 
helped us understand our trans child or you know my 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 child didn't know you know like they could be so colorful and they doesn't even have they don't even have to identify under the queer spectrum it's like my child didn't know they could be so colorful and thank you so much for opening the world to my child you know and that that's right there is what we're doing we're, we're just here to let people know that there are differences in the world and it's okay to have those differences and you shouldn't be afraid or ashamed of them and apparently we should be i couldn't imagine how liberating and exciting it would have been for me as a child to see a drag queen clip clop into my local library and like be treated like a normal person and to like sit down and have them read because you know they're going to serve like the performance of the book um do you feel similarly about yourself? I assume you didn't have a drag story time growing up. No, not at all. And that's and that is a, again the, the message that we keep trying to to put out there is, you know, us as queer children growing up, we didn't have role models. You know, the only queer people we saw were the stereotypical you know, queer people, like gay people, the hairdresser, the florist, the designer on a movie or a TV show. You know, somebody who was dying of AIDS. Um, you know, that whole narrative all the time. So that's how we perceived being queer growing up. For this younger generation to have such outgoing, positive, you know, just out there role models, proud of who they are and who they who they are in their own skin on a day-to-day basis, it is so awe-inspiring to so many people. And it, I know it sounds kind of cliche, but like drag saves lives. Mm-hmm. Like it really does it, the amount of, of people that have come to me and said, you've helped me in so many ways. Like, thank you for showing me that I could be this person that I've been hiding for so long, or, you know, drag helps people who are maybe, you know, gender non-conforming and they don't know where they fit on the gender spectrum, you know, and it helps them guide them to where they need to be. And it's it's just it's such a beautiful art form and it's such a beautiful expression of love and acceptance and it's just so disconcerting that it's being so like negatively enforced in the world i didn't know that canada was getting so much of the uh, like that the same things happening in the us are sort of bleeding their way into canada i mean you see us as sort of the ground zero for this stuff a hundred percent, a hundred percent. But um, again, with social media and everything and the way things are, like we are literally the U.S. North now. Mm-hmm. I was driving the other day with my husband and like we moved just outside of Barrie and there was a man in a pickup truck with an American flag and not the American flag. Like, you know, like the flag that's shown on all the Trump videos that kind of waves with the stars written has the big eagle flying mm-hmm. through it mm-hmm. yeah he had one of those flying in the back of his window and with I'm like Canada license plate yeah <laughs> but like and I don't know how many people when you get into conversations and arguments it's like well it's my constitutional right and I'm like we don't have a constitution yeah. <laughs> I'm like we have a Canadian charter of rights <laughs> like it's like a brand or something right but in a bad way yeah um tell me what how long have you been getting into drag and what has it done for you um i've been doing drag seven just over seven years now 
I actually started when I was in my like late teens and like 1920. Um, but I had stopped because uh, I was with a, a person for a long period of time in my life and they were very controlling and didn't like, mm. and that's a whole side story, but like fast forward to, you know, the rebirth of Justine mm-hmm. and yeah, so seven years and it was uh, just, it was so random that Rup- I knew RuPaul from the time I was like 13, like I was when I was 13, RuPaul was supermodel of the world. Mm-hmm. That's when she came out with her like Viva Glam, like that was it, right? And like, I remember um, in eighth grade um, doing a um, talent show with some girls and they were models. And so they were doing, you better work, cover girl. <laughs> so I was the photographer, like snapping <laughs> pictures. Uh-huh. But I was like, girl, I want to serve. 20 you know feet from I mean? stardom, yeah. Right? And um, so, yeah, so when I... Um, my husband and I, we had were living in our first apartment and we were just flipping through American Netflix mm-hmm. and RuPaul has a show? What? Mm-hmm. So we started, I think it was like season three we started watching mm-hmm. and it was just like, oh my God. And then it just kind of reignited. Mm-hmm. And then I went out for Halloween that year mm-hmm. and I got my buddy who was a makeup artist to paint me, but I like got myself this really cool, like long, like three tone wig. And mm-hmm. I did like, you know, I was in Barry. So I did like Barry girl glam with like, you know, the plaid long shirt and the uh-huh. belt uh-huh. and like the high knee, knee high boots and stuff. Uh, but I looked fierce and I felt my, I was feeling my oats and I was like, crap. Like I really like, I miss this. Mm-hmm. And so I said to my husband, I said, you know, I miss being on stage and I miss performing. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to start doing drag again. And he's mm-hmm. like, babe, you do you. Mm-hmm. And it was just ever since then. And now she's a day walker. So uh-huh. <laughs> as you hold up your others, yours, I mean, they are, yours. they are They're all mine. Them. Yes. All, all oh, of them really? are mine. Wow. Yeah, touch all the skin. Yes. No. Um, I feel similarly to you in that like RuPaul came on and I thought, oh my gosh, this I could get up into this gig. Mm-hmm. Get up into this gig. <laughs> me. Get up in this gig. Yeah. That's it. Um, here are my problems with drag. The the makeup, the hair, the clothes, and the hours. Yes. Can you talk about what's the hardest? Um, all of the above. No, uh, <laughs> so I mean I dra- actually- honestly, drag queen story time, that sounds like a great gig, except you're like you know, painting your face at whatever time in the morning, you know, exactly. and the lighting is never great in a library, except like, there's no way to win. Exactly. There's no That's, like easy drag gig. There is, we've actually talked about this. We should, we should make it like a unionized thing yes. where like <laughs> drag shows start at seven and end at like 1130. Yes. You yes. Know what I mean? So then they, everybody who's like in their like mid to late thirties, early forties who are going to work can actually go out and enjoy themselves <laughs> and still go to bed and get up for work in the morning. Correct. Hard stop at, Eight thirty. I was gonna say nine. Even then, it's like, yeah, well, right? you're gonna home to nine thirty, right? Hard stop at eight thirty. Yeah, done. Boom. Uh, but closing it was time plays at eight twenty-five. <laughs> but that's why I love brunches, though. Even though they're, uh-huh. even though they're an early start. But like most brunches, I do like my calls usually eleven. Mm-hmm. So I can I get I'm an early person anyway. So like mm-hmm. I get up between six thirty and seven every day. Mm-hmm. And so if I have a call at eleven, I start painting at eight thirty. Mm-hmm. nine and i'm at the door and you know you're there and you have an hour to kind of do whatever because the show doesn't start till noon right mm-hmm. so you know you have an hour to put your lips and lashes on and get your body on and do all that stuff right mm-hmm. um 
but yeah, no, I think for me, my biggest struggle in drag um, is holding myself in a feminine carriage. I may be a feminine person, but I'm built like a linebacker. <laughs> so like, so like, you know, when I first started walking Shout in out heels, to Nina West. <laughs> mm -hmm, love that girl. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we were, we were not very, um, fluid in heels when we first started, mm -hmm. we were like a 200 pound fridge in heels. It mm -hmm. was kind of clunky, yeah, uh, but you. then I, yeah, but it was me. <laughs> it was totally me. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I started, uh, taking a high heel dance class Amazing. and that really just taught me how to move like softer and more feminine. And so, uh, you know, uh, shout out to, you know, my sisters at the, the dance studio who were, mm -hmm. No longer the army of sass. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, they had to disband, but they were a fantastic, fantastic dance troupe and, you know, learned a lot from them. But yeah, it was, uh, it, that was probably my biggest um, hurdle, I think, with drag. I was a bartender for years mm -hmm. and I worked in the bar scene. So I was used to the late nights. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I don't, I'm not a Toronto queen. So I don't work mm -hmm. in like a lot of, we don't, we don't really have any gay bars or queer spaces here. We have, mm -hmm um inclusive spaces mm -hmm. so we go to pubs and halls and things like that um actually funny enough one of the halls that i do i'm doing a show at on the 13th is the hall i got married in mm -hmm. so it's it, it's, <laughs> it's barry's yeah. hottest club right right um, this is battle of barry right yeah uh, yeah the battle of barry yeah uh, yeah that's October 13th. The, yes it is yeah the house of Devereux versus the house of dreams and where house of Devereux? Uh, the, the House of Devereux is, uh, so we have spread out um, throughout Barrie, um, Aurora, and Bradford. So just And that's you, that's who we're rooting for is what I'm saying. Yes, yes, yes. yes. We want it, we okay. are, yeah. And, House of Dreams, um, House of Nightmares. But the house, the house, no, the House of Dreams are my girls. We are, we are uh, good friends. They're not mine. We're tight. Not they're, mine. they're tight. We're tight. <laughs> Actually, funny enough, uh, Enya, who is like the house mother, mm -hmm. uh, she was the first person to teach me how to paint my face properly. Oh. Like, she, um, I... <laughs> I saw her in the mall one day and she was uh, an acquaintance of my sister's. And uh, so I saw her walking through the mall and I was like, Tyler! And like a creepo just like screamed his name across the room. And he turns around and looks. He's like, I'm like, hi, you don't know me. I don't know, this sounds weird. But like, you know my sister and you do drag and I want to do drag and will you help me? And Networking. And we've been friends ever since. Also, this is classic Canadian to have a battle of Barry and have everyone yeah. be friends. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, earlier, you mentioned like the representations of gay people. And the first thing you said was hairstylist, which I find so funny because you are. I am, right. I am, the, <laughs> I am the cliche. I am the hairstylist, drag queen, homosexual, yes. Uh-huh. And so what original um, thought do you have to add to that stereotype? Like, what's your what's your caveat to that? <laughs> um well listen just because i do what i do like i will tell you right now in our industry at least in in canada i don't know how it is in the states a majority of the men that work in our industry are heterosexual uh -huh. they're europe they're european middle eastern so it's it's a very very weird stereotype to be like, only gay men do hair mm -hmm. so that's kind of weird and like if Outside of like looking fabulous and pretty, I wear jeans and a ball cap and I belch like a trucker. So mm -hmm. that's amazing. So right. if someone is really looking for that elevated experience. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They know where to go. Um, let's talk about Let's Be Perfectly Queer, your yes. YouTube show. Yes. So you get into the talk show fantasy 
and yes. you have a full set. It's yes. recorded. I mean, it's yes. something that if I like found ten thousand dollars that I would do. Can you tell? And it's in Barry, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay, so you're like literally RuPaul of Barry. Like this is the situation. <laughs> Not really. I wouldn't say that. This is literally who's like your competition? Little... Who's your there's other no, queer talk there, show? There's no. There's no other competition right this now. This is what I'm saying. Um, but it's just a local cable access channel. Um, I was actually a, uh, I guessed on it a few times. My friend Randy uh, yeah. Davis, he's the host and has yep. been for many seasons uh, since the beginning of it, actually. And uh, just this past season, uh, they asked uh, him and the producer, Deanne, asked if I would join the cast to mm -hmm. help out because um, Randy heads up like a lot of so he ends up the uh gay men's health services at uh the gilbert center here which is a local um uh public health service for trans and queer uh people and um he also is like a uh, an ambassador for like hiv so he goes all over like with different companies and talks about like the U equals you campaign so there's a lot of times where he's unable now to be like the host of the show. Mm -hmm. So that's why they asked me to come on. So we could either host together or we do separate shows. So I actually do have a, uh, a show this uh, coming season. We just recorded was my first one by myself. So I got to talk about my favorite topic, which is sex. <laughs> Everyone, everyone's favorite topic to, um, to participate. In. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> but well, talking, talking it, about it, people are, you know, usually less so. That's the thing. And then people need to talk about it more. And that's what we were talking about. What do you think they need to talk about more the most? Um, just how they feel really with their partners. It had, doesn't have mm -hmm. to be with like, like people. It has to be with the person that they're with mm -hmm. and just being more communicative with, mm -hmm. with, with what they want, because how is your partner supposed to know what you want if you can't tell them? Right. But how are you supposed to know what you want if you haven't found it out for yourself? Mm -hmm. so you also need to know you and that's like my double like you need to know you but you also need to be communicative <laughs> how are you gonna f somebody else if you can f yourself you and know that's exactly it <laughs> cheers to that <laughs> how do you feel i mean like what would childhood you um think of you now um i think i would think i was really cool Mm -hmm. I, I honestly, like, I know it sounds very narcissistic, but I'm very proud of myself from where I came from to what I've accomplished in, you know, my 42 years. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of myself and I'm sure the younger me would be like, oh my God, he's so cool. <laughs> uh, but again, at the same time, like that younger me would still see how scared I am as a, as an adult. Right. And that's the other thing that people don't understand is just how, vulnerable you get and this past week like i have been shooketh like that last encounter at that protest like i stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with evil and looked it straight in the face and stood my ground but like to have that many people and it wasn't just the people at the protest too it was like the vehicles that were passing by and honking to support them to save the children protect the children i had a woman cry in front of me for my soul and i was like my soul is okay thank you mm -hmm. thank you but um yeah it's 
after this week, it just really shows how vulnerable we all are and how fragile our our emotions and our our our, our, our psyches can be. Because we always put on this strong facade all the time. We always put on this, you know, big shield. And that's what drag is for me. Drag is that like I get to put on a costume. I get to be a superhero. I get to, you know, but there's all those layers that are underneath that people need to see and people need to know about and and, and mental health, I think as the top, like the foremost conversation that everyone needs to be talking about, because, you know, we all put ourselves out there, you know, we all, you know, are out in public, we do shows, we talk to people in public, we tell people how, you know, to love and whatever, but, you know, some of us are going through it, right? We're going through it and, you know, it's people need to know it's okay to not be okay you know so i i learned that this week and that was uh that was pretty it was pretty hard but uh i don't know just it's drag and and being a public in the public eye, i think is is a lot of fun but it takes a really thick skin for people to do it well mitchell i don't know how many people you have around you saying thank you but i want to say thank you to you for the work you're doing well thank you I appreciate and, that. And you're really fighting the good fight. And I'm so, so happy that I was able to talk to you and that you could come on. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me.